Full 10 Yards Podcast. Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast, Season 2 of the podcast starts right here and I am Tim, I'm wearing the captain's armband on the field, vice-captain alongside me, Lee Wakefield uh, is always alongside us and it's, this month is all about him, Lee, welcome you in, it's draft season. It's the best season, yeah, it's Christmas It's Christmas time, yeah, uh, yeah no, really excited, uh, really excited, not that I'm not excited for all the pods that we do, but uh, this is just a little bit, it's, it's in my area of expertise I'd like to think anyway, so uh, yeah, no, really excited for this and the next few that we're going to do leading up to the big day in a few weeks' time. The big day indeed, yeah, and I just say, just to make everyone aware, of course, we are, we've revamped a little bit, changed our, just the, the look and the feel, we've changed our logos, had some nice feedback about that as well. Um, got a few announcements to make on the show as well. I'm um, going to be splitting uh, our podcasts up into downs, and on the, to get us t- to the full ten yards is the main. It's going to be the main difference you'll probably be hearing uh, on the podcast. So some new drops, hopefully a little bit uh, shorter in length as well. Uh, obviously, no, that's not really what, what your wife wants to hear. Uh, of course, the jokes are staying. <laughs> Um, but before uh, before we give you our play calls for each down today, a bit of housekeeping. Uh, today we announced on the Twitter that we have a new free agency signing. Thomas Robery uh, joins us and is going to be writing some bits for us on the website. So go and check that out over at full ten yards dot com over when he uh, when he submits a bit of uh, stuff for us for you to read. And we may or may not have another few signings to announce over the coming days and weeks. So everyone eyes peeled. Um, we're still continuing on, of course, Lee, with our Where Do They Go From Here articles in AFC, uh, AFC East this week. Um, I'm, I'm quite enjoying writing these. I know we said mentioned uh, a lot previously on previous uh, podcasts that they're quite fun. So, you know, there's, there's going to be some teams in the NFL that you don't closely follow or you don't really know what's going on with them. So it's quite useful, for, especially for us and maybe the listeners and the, the, the readers out there, uh, just to kind of get a, a gloss over and just as kind of a state of play, isn't it, of, of all the teams? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like you say, it's 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 up and down, Nick. Obviously, you do you don't follow everyone. You don't follow all thirty-two teams as closely as as each other. But it's kind of fun in that way. Like last week when we were doing the 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 NFC South, we were doing the NFC South, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've I said this in my article. I don't really feel anything for the Carolina Panthers. So that one was a bit of a like it's a bit more of a difficult one for me. Mm. But it's still fun, and you have to like kind of do that deep dive and sort of get things out of it that you wouldn't. And it's kind of kind of rewarding in that sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but though this week's been a fun one, I've enjoyed um, through the Patriots, and I've, I've written my Bills one already for tomorrow, which I'm quite looking forward to putting out there for everyone. Yeah. So yeah, no, um, really enjoyable series. Nice to sort of be put in the in the chair of the GM in some senses, and then just in the chair of like the writers, kind of just like redu- re- reviewing the season for each team. So yeah, no, good good series. Hope everyone's enjoying it as much as I'm and we are enjoying writing it. Yeah, and so we've gone through. I think we're what well, we now nearly we nearly we've got three divisions left. I think haven't we? This is the uh, sixth one. I think. Um, oh no, it's not the sixth one. Yeah. I can't remember. No, I mean, we're about fifth, halfway. Fifth, up yeah, now. yeah. Fifth, this is the fifth one, isn't it? We've got three left. Yeah. Um, so go and check those out over on, on our website as well. All the uh, all the articles there for every team. And also, um, again, lastly, a bit of housekeeping. Competition time. Uh, get anyone, yeah. You know, a gift box from my touchdown box, a uh, great prize for, for April to kick off our new revamp. Um, you know, basically, you get get to pick a gift box uh, for your team of your choice. So head over to our pin tweet uh, on how you can enter that. And also other other ways you can get more entries. You can get up to five entries. You know, five is always better than one, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking about bands. Yeah. 
Um, I think, yeah, if you, if you follow or like us on Facebook or on the website, follow our blog and uh, Instagram, yeah, follow and like and, and that as well. Um, good traction so far, over 200 entries, so happy days on that. So um, clearly the the folks have spoken. They uh, they like what they see in terms of uh, in, in terms of the prize. Uh, and finally, before we get into onto the first down, uh, shout out to the boys at Five Yard Rush this week um, who, you know, got the James Co. Austin Eckler experience. But also uh, we were a part of their podcast yesterday, weren't we, live mock draft, uh, which is available for everyone's ears and uh, very much recommend everyone pick it, uh, everyone going and listen to that and just make, making a pig's ear of my Washington Redskins pick, it seems. No, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, massive kudos to the boys over at the, the Five Yard Rush. And um, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. I really enjoyed it. It, it was a great listen as well, just listening to all you lot pick. Um, and the, the WhatsApp chat was good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, vehemently defending Mr. Metcalf um, <laughs> against, you know, you amongst other people. Uh, but no, like I said, massive kudos to those guys. They pulled it off. It's a lot of organisation to get, you know, so many people in one place. And it went off almost, you know, perfectly, I would say. So, yeah, it's, it's really good listen. If you're into the draft or just want a good podcast to listen to for in-depth, um, you know, and get a lot of people together who know a lot about this game, then, you know, go over to, to them and listen to that this week. I think, did you say it's out now? It's out now already, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, listen to that this morning, yeah. hot, off, hot off the press. So, yeah, I, I got to be Washington for the night. You got to be the Buffalo Bills and got to be the Bengals. Full 10 yards, repping, repping mm. as, as we do. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, uh, good pick to... made by all. I think, and I, I think you know you, you've been a bit harsh on yourself. You know you can you can see the the reasons why you why you went the way you did. But uh, obviously, don't want to ruin it too much. Want to get no. people to go and listen to it. No, well, I mean, if you wouldn't have taken my pick, then uh, I'd have been I'd have been okay. But never mind. Um, <laughs> it's it's all all in all in the name of fun. Um, Absolutely. And talking of fun, uh, here is today's show. So four downs today to get to the full 10 yards. First down is going to be some news and notes. Our second down is going to be a segment called First Things First, a Kyler Murray story. It's going to be a Kyler Murray dominant uh, podcast uh, today. Talking about you know all the different scenarios uh, that could play out in for, for Kyler Murray in the draft and you know a bit more about Kyler Murray as a person and you know everyone knows he's my favorite person in the world um third down uh, our play call is it's called it's, it's official with Roger Goodgraves uh, where we talk about not only the rule changes but you know the whole rule change pro- process it's not just a you know meet up one weekend the Odin is meeting and, and thrash it all out it's a whole year process so uh, Roger comes on and talks to us uh, all about that process and then finally Lee, it's the rematch isn't it fourth down 14 questions me versus you uh, the leaderboards have been cleared so no longer do I sit at the bottom of the leaderboard although I probably will do after the podcast has finished well, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, I think I went a bit harsh on you the last time. Um, I'm not saying I've like made my questions much easier or anything like that, but I think you'll get more than three. I've got faith in you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, no, it's good to kind of like clear the leaderboard for the for the how we've cleared the slate. Yeah, obviously without Evan, and then yeah, we can get the what was it like the the how many people was it that got eight? We can get them all on and have a bit of a knockout tournament and uh, see who comes out on top as well as some new contestants yeah absolutely yeah i think there's seven or eight of them that uh, all got eight out of ten so yeah we're gonna enjoy we're gonna invite them back on and maybe do a bit of a head-to-head or just do a bit of a tiebreaker see if we can split them all up um and again if anyone gets 10 out of 10 this season on the full 10 questions uh, they'll get a podcast t-shirt as well lee yours is in the post uh, as well so you can look forward to that soon in the next couple of days awesome um yeah with that being said uh, let's kick off the new podcast let's kick off with uh, first down let's go First down. 
bit of news and notes then to start us off. The AAF has suspended its operations. Um, yeah, they're very uh, out of the blue, this one, uh, even to the AAF employees who were t- apparently informed uh, via email, which blows my mind this this time, uh, this this day and age. Uh, but two months after the opening game, uh, not even finished the regular season yet. Um, doesn't look uh, doesn't look good for the AAF, Lee. No, not at all. Um, like you say, I think I've seen a few players tweeting out who had literally just signed contracts with teams uh, and like you say, just people who were even involved in it just weren't even sure, and it's just sort of blindsided everyone. It's quite unfortunate, you know. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of people trying to get second chances and, and sort of build themselves up to maybe have a shot at the NFL one day, or just you know have a career in football at you know a slightly lower level than the NFL. And it doesn't like it's going to get much further than it already has done. Which you know, for leagues like this, start leagues that try and you know, become professional in America, playing American football, it's got a lot further than a lot of them. You know, they've actually played games, they've got people to turn up, buy merchandise and all. But it's just, it just looks like it's run out of money at the end of the day. And that's the name of the game. That's mm. the whole reason why it's there. It's there as a business. It's there to market itself to, you know, if they wanted to be part of the NFL, like a feeder league or something like that, it's there to market itself to those people, like Roger Goodell and all the people who made the decisions. Mm. And, you know, without money, then they're not going to get, you know, they're not going to be able to fulfill that quest, unfortunately. No, no. And say so I, I had a bit of fun with the AAF initials and calling it like an, uh, an atrocity financially or an absolute farce or something, <laughs> something like that. So, uh, yeah, that was that was quite fun for all of five seconds. But I know we, we weren't big, big proponents of, of the AAF, really. We didn't, we didn't really watch it. But uh, yeah, the, the reason why it's, it's kind of going under, Tom Dundon, owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, caused his own type of nat- natural disaster to the league pulling out what he said, um, his investment that was supposed to be $250 million. Um, so, yeah, when someone's going to be pulling that amount of money uh, out of anything, um, yeah, you're always going to struggle. But, yeah, reports apparently coming out, apparently players having to pay for their own way home. And uh, it makes you kind of think, really. So it's like, you know, like when you were back at primary school and you know, there was a kid in the office like, after two hours after the final bell where his, his parents haven't come pick him up yet. It's, it kind of reminded me like that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure like the players that got you no know, 250-odd grand for three over three years, um, I'm sure they'll be able to get a bus or a plane ticket home somewhere. But I suppose it just goes, you know, just goes to show you, what no matter what pretenders that are coming in to try and get in the slice of the pie, uh, the NFL is really the, uh, the only one that matters. Well, yeah, exactly, you know, and that's why they're all marketing themselves to the NFL and trying to become, like I say, that feeder league. That's probably the... The ambition that they had, um, because obviously it's a big pie, and even to get a small slice of it would be be quite, it'd pay quite a lot of dividends for the people who run in the AAF. But you know they need that capital to begin with, and like you say, if the main sponsor or one of the big sponsors pulls out, and then they're left high and dry, really, aren't they? Which is a massive shame. Um, you know, I I can't profess, like you said, to be you know I never really watched the AAF to be honest with you, which you know, might not sound great, but I was prepared to be an AAF hipster if it ever did kick off. Mm. Um, but you no, know, I mean, it was kind of the thing that I didn't have a great deal of faith in it to begin with, to be honest with you. And if it did kick off, then I might have shown some interest in it. Mm. You know, if it if it got someone to the NFL, let's say, and if if someone if it started to become like a bit of a pathway, but you know, it it's barely got off the ground, has it really? No. No, I mean, it's pulling in solid crowds and the yeah, good TV ratings and the products on the field was actually quite good, but obviously sponsorship and investment, uh, I guess, was not enough to keep that Titanic from hitting the iceberg. Um, but also, yeah, I, I looked up, obviously, all the other kind of leagues that have, have come and failed. Uh, obviously, yeah, the world, you had the World Football League, the United States Football League, the United Football League, XFL 1.0. Uh, 
kind of it's really a really bad omen for the XFL uh, 2.0, isn't it? Really, seven of the eight cities in the X- XFL uh, have an NFL franchise close by. So I'm not quite sure what Vince McMahon and all the all the people over there will will make of the, these uh, these turn of events. But uh, if you're an XFL person, uh, you, I, sp- I suppose you have to be worried about the omens. Absolutely, because that was one of the that was one of the good things about the AF when it was sort of muted as a you know, as a, a possibility uh, that the fact that the teams were mainly in places that, you know, don't have NFL franchises. So you think, you know, the fans are going to be there because these places are obviously big enough and have got, you know, play, people there who love football and want to go to games. And obviously that did show, because like you said before, it, it did pull in the crowds for a certain amount of time. Uh, but, you know, the, it's going to be difficult, isn't it, for the XFL to then take away from the NFL in cities that already have NFL fans on, you know, with teams on the doorstep. Mm. Yeah. And just before we move on, just a moment silence for the, uh, the life and death of the AAF 2019 to 2019. Moving on, Russell Wilson uh, set a deadline to the Seattle Seahawks for a new contract. Uh, before we get into the details of that, Lee, do you know what Russell Wilson's middle name is? <laughs> I don't actually. Is it? Is it something like really bland? Uh, I'll give you a clue. It's the name of uh, Manchester United's training ground. Uh, Carrington. Correct. Okay. Russell Carrington <laughs> Wilson. There okay. I mean, it kind of suits him. I think. Does it? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, how. I think so. Yeah, okay. I can see it. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, I can't remember what football team he supports. I think he supports Tottenham or Arsenal or something. But anyway, okay, it's not okay. it's not important. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, I haven't seen any direct quotes or anything coming out from Russell Wilson or his agent or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's just a report at this point. It's quite strange actually to, to consider he uh, set a deadline of the fifteenth of April. I think, um, which again is not not that too far away. Um, usually, these especially for quarterbacks, these take a little bit of time. Uh, were, you, were you surprised at all at the, re- the report of this? Yeah, I was actually. It kind of came out of the blue to me. Um, I don't think there's been any sort of bad blood between Russell Wilson and Seattle in the past. Obviously, he's the face of the franchise. He's their quarterback and you know, long-standing quarterback at that. He's obviously had success with the team in the past. I don't see what sort of where the where the tensions come from and why he needs to sort of set a quite like you say quite a quite a, a close deadline mm. for this. You know, it's only a week on Monday, um, and I don't see what the timing is either. Because obviously, it's not kind of what's the fifteenth of April kind yeah. of thing. I don't really know. Yeah, it's the, uh, the the anniversary of when me and my wife went, met. There, so there you go. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe 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 you knew that. Um, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it is a strange one. Obviously, coming to the league, 2012, um, third round pick, 75th overall, uh, has a starting record of 75, 36, and one. Has thrown 196 touchdowns, 63 interceptions, uh, and also has 3,651 rush yards, 16 touchdowns on the ground. Did you know, Lee, that only, uh, Russell Wilson has only thrown for over 4,000 yards in two seasons? I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. Because Seattle obviously mainly a rushing team, you know, have been throughout his tenure, yeah. so not 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 hugely surprised. No, no, obviously they're, they're a defense and run team, haven't they? Since he's been, he's kind of been there with Marshawn Lynch and Legion of Boom, mm. uh, all mm. of it. Mm. But he's obviously likely going to be when he does get paid, or if he does get paid, he will do at some <laughs> point. Um, he's going to be the, the highest paid quarterback in the league. Um, just looking at some, you know, previous last year, a couple of contracts that were, got handed out. Matt Ryan, five year, one hundred and fifty millions, ninety four point five million guaranteed. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming going from the Patriots to 
the 49ers. Five years, 137. That's only 47, only 41 uh, million guaranteed there. And of course, Aaron Rodgers, four years, 134 million, 79 million guaranteed there. So, what, what's Russell Wilson kind of looking at? Were you looking around about what five years, 160 odd million, 100 guaranteed? Do you reckon he'll be the yeah, uh, the, the first 100 yeah, million guy? Something like that. I was going to say pretty similar to that. I was going to say 550 or something like that to make it around 30 mil per. Yeah. season uh, with you know like quite a high amount of guarantee mm. probably about 60% guarantee I would say do you reckon, so do you reckon it'd be take... 100 million guarantees well what would that be that'd be about 75% wouldn't it? If, if, if I'm saying 150 so probably less I would say mm. he's you know, he's not going to push 100% is he like Kirk Cousins no. but uh, you know he's going to get paid a lot more than Kirk Cousins is mm. he's probably going to be there for a lot longer as well yeah. so no I mean I think yeah maybe yeah 65% so maybe like 80 80, 85 mm. guaranteed, maybe. Mm, I think it'd be more than that because Matt Ryan's get 94.5, so I think he'll he'll want to he want to up the uh, up the watermark if you like for for those. But we we shall see. Um, in the, in the rare occurrence that Russell Wilson does end up, you know, it all going a bit south and going somewhere. What what what? You know, if the Giants come calling with two first rounders, do we reckon that gets it done or? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, put me on the spot there. I mean, I guess it's something they'd have to look at, but I guess Russell Wilson like is is the Seattle Seahawks yeah, yeah. moment in time, isn't it? So it's not something they'd entertain unless unless talks broke down and it looked like Russell just didn't want to be there and you know they weren't going to meet in the middle in any way, shape, or form. Then you'd you'd kind of have to look at it. But you know, I think that's that's looking really far ahead in the future. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't think it'll go anywhere, but it's always no, no, good. Course, no. It's always good to be uh, devil's advocate. Uh, that yeah, is, sure. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's your news and notes. Good yardage there on first town. So it's time for second down. Second down. Okay. First, uh, first things first. A Kyler Murray story, Lee, and like we say, uh, Kyler Murray, one of my favourite players in the NFL. Um, but yeah, he's going to be the story of the draft, isn't it? So it's all mm. all the build up's going to be you know on him. The spotlight's going to be on him and where he's going to go and what what he's going to do. So I, th- I thought it'd be a good exercise just to look at all the options that are in play, all the scenarios that could play out, and yeah, you know, what kind of the ramifications are for for other teams that maybe want a quarterback, or you know the ramifications for maybe the Arizona Cardinals and some other teams as well. So. Uh, let's talk, let's talk about Kyler Murray himself first. You know, five foot eight, or but depending on who you asked at the combine, it might have been five foot ten. Who knows? Um, one hundred ninety four pounds. Uh, Wikipedia says five foot eight. So and, you know, if if this this day and age you can't trust Wikipedia, who can you trust, Lee? That is my question to you. Um, <laughs> uh, quarterback of Oklahoma obviously played a freshman year at Texas A and M. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner last year for Oklahoma, sixty nine percent on completions. Um, had a re- statistically, I, di- I didn't really appreciate what he actually did last season. For over four thousand three hundred yards. 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions through the air, plus 140 rushes for over a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns. Lee, that's actually quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much very very similar, at least to Baker Mayfield's mm. kind of season that he had yeah. the previous season with Oklahoma, yeah. and obviously he went number one. I think just going back to his measurables, um, his official combine measurables are five foot ten and two oh seven, which he's wearing stilettos may, for that though. <laughs> it may, I mean, it might have been. You know, uh, like when you see in The Simpsons stuff like that, when they're all stacked on each other's shoulders to try and get in somewhere. Yeah, it could be that kind of thing. Uh, but that kind, of, they're, they're not too bad. 
you know, and that's kind of made me warm to Kyler Morris ever so slightly. Mm. I mean, I don't think he should go number one, but we'll get on to that later on. But uh, yeah, I mean, him being over two hundred pounds is is a lot less scary than him being one eighty five or one ninety something. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the first, that, well, certainly the first that I saw of Kyler Murray, uh, you know, the, the stories were all coming out about, you know, will he or won't he with baseball and, um, you know, will he declare for the draft? We had those stupid interviews where he was just talking like a scarecrow saying absolutely nothing. But finally, mm. obviously declared for the draft and now obviously, you know, he's touting him for, for him to be going uh, to one overall. Do you, what, what do you make of him as a player and, a, and an athlete? Because obviously he has a lot of different skills. He, he's, he's mobile, he can throw, he's... He's accurate. He can do the on the ground through the air. What, what do you make of him as a player? And, and you, you know, do you, do you think he'll be able to translate this to the NFL? He, I think he's a, he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's at, you know he's not a great quarterback at this point. He's very much you know an athlete playing quarterback. He's obviously an electric athlete. We're talking you know someone who obviously is a baseball player. He knows how to protect himself. He knows how to run. He is very quick across the ground. Um, you know, and he's not—he's not—he's not run first quarterback per se, but he is a quarterback that can move. Talking about him as a quarterback, he can make throws. He's got a good arm, a really, really good arm actually. Um, but he—he he makes silly decisions sometimes, and you do kind of think, why have you done that? And you know, where, what were you seeing when you were throwing into that triple coverage and things like that? So he does have some sort of uh, some progress to make when it comes to like, the mental processing of the game and what he sees. But one thing about him is his mentality is really good. He, if he does make one of these stupid throws, and if he get, even if he gets picked off, he doesn't like, kind of care. And I mean that in a good way. He doesn't let it affect him. In the game against Alabama that Oklahoma played towards the end of the season, um, he started off really badly, but he came back and he still kept throwing. It didn't affect him. So that's that's a good thing. You no, know, I like that about him. That he's got the mentality, um, and just on on. The uh, you know the athletic and the moving and the running part sort of part of his game because he's a baseball player who does protect himself quite well. We're not talking about you know someone who runs really upright and leaves himself open to to hits. You know which is really important, obviously, when he's he's so small compared to those who are going to be hitting him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's let's move on then to 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 talk about what what can happen to Kyler Murray uh, come the end of April in in Tennessee where he goes up onto the podium. So I've, I'll give you a, a couple of scenarios prior to the podcast, Lee, to, to kind of weigh mm -hmm. up and, and have a think about. So I've got three scenarios here, which I think probably cover uh, all the likely outcomes for Kyler Murray. So the first one is obviously number one to the Cardinals. Uh, the second one, number one to a, to a team trading up. Uh, so obviously not the Cardinals. Uh, and then not going number one overall. So what, what, order, do you, what order do you see those uh, going in, this, uh, in terms of likelihood? What, what was the number three one again? Sorry. Uh, not, not going number one at all. Um, so the most likely is going number one, just to the Cardinals. Um, I don't really see a team trading up for him to be number one, like another team. So I think that would go third with um, him not going number one, just to anyone being in the middle. Yeah, interesting. We'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put this out there on uh, the Twitter as well to to see what everyone else thinks. Obviously. The story has been over the last couple of weeks that uh, Kyler Murray you know, to the Cardinals is a done deal, this, that, and the other. I, I know we, we kind of differ, don't we? I, I, you say that he's going to number one at the Cardinals. I I'm, I say he doesn't. Um, so we'll have a little match bet there. We need to work out what who what the loser has to do. Um, so we need to work all that stuff out. But yeah, <laughs> so let's so number one to the Cardinals, obviously, you see is most likely. Let's, let's, let's start with that then. So say, for instance, Kyler Murray gets drafted number one overall. Roger Gale, mm -hmm. Roger Gale comes out to a chorus of boos and says, <laughs> selects. That was always my favourite part of the draft. Yeah. 
Kyle Murray goes number one overall to the Cardinals, which was in the uh, five-yard rush, obviously, uh, mock draft last night. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so what's the, what's the impact here for, for the rest of the draft then? Because obviously that impacts not only the, the other teams that are looking for a quarterback, but obviously Josh Rosen as well. So uh, we'll we start off with the Josh Rosen impact. Obviously, they traded up to seven last year to get him. Uh, is this a case of what you know, Steve Kime he was the guy that initiated that last season. Is that him admitting defeat? And then, it, you know, because it's gutsy for a GM to do that, to say, you know, I've traded up to seven to get my core back and then next year I'm, I'm burning it all to the ground and starting again. What's, um, in terms of, you know, Josh Rosen, does, does he stay on the team or does he, because his value will plummet. His value is plummeting at the moment. You know, every day that he goes by that he doesn't get traded, his value is dropping. Because what they're trying to do is get someone to to trade obviously for Josh Rosen, but they, they, they're putting out all these signals, you know, that they, they came out today. It came out a report just before we came on, but from Ian Rappaport saying that the Cardinals will be fine with sticking with two quarterbacks. Why? No, you won't, no, you no, won't because no. that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to have two quarterbacks, both taking the top 10. No. I mean, taking two quarterbacks, both in the top 10 in consecutive years doesn't make sense anyway, no. but to then hold, both of them doesn't make sense. No, I mean it kind you of know, it, so, it kind of says to you as well. If you're taking two quarterbacks inside the top ten for two years uh, in a row, it kind of says to you that, that it might be a clue that there's some other issues on the team there. Well, yeah, I mean we all we've had lots of clues about you know things not exactly being right. Let, let's just let me just run through them really quickly. So you've got Steve Kime um, around the combine saying Josh Rosen's the quarterback for now. I mean. If you want to back Josh Rosen, back Josh Rosen. Yeah. If you don't want to back him, don't like don't just leave it out there as a kind of half lie. You know, we've got second of all, we've got Josh Rosen's Instagram being hacked. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> that's like when uh Jolene Lescott tweeted out a picture of his Lamborghini from his pocket. Yeah. You know, that just doesn't happen. You know, Josh Rosen's obviously been told he's being shocked because we know he's being shocked because we know that the Giants are interested, we know the Patriots are interested, and we're also pretty sure that the Chargers have offered the second round pick. So Josh Rosen's obviously not very happy about it. So he did that on his Instagram, which you know says a little bit about him as a person, but also it's not what we're talking about at the moment. But you know, we've got all sorts of signals, you know, and we've got overriding all this we've got the worst attempt from the cardinals to try and cover it all up that i've ever seen you know they've met with nick bosa this week i mean no one's buying it that they, they want bosa you know then then me and nick bosa this might be going off on another tangent means two things to me first of all the cardinals are doing due diligence because that's what teams do at the top of the draft that's just normal um, and because when they take Murray at number one, Bosa's going to go to the 49ers, which is a divisional rival. So they'll want to know all about him, mm. you know, and they're trying to, they're trying to tempt someone into this, you know, offering this King's ransom for Bosa because, you know, as much as they like Murray on the roster, the roster's got a ton of holes that, yeah. you know, could do with filling if they, you know, acquire loads of picks for him. And if they get the San Francisco to trade up then they'll get Murray anyway. So, you know, win-win in that scenario. Mm. The problem is, like I said, no one's buying it because they're, they're kind of trying too hard in my opinion. They're they're just putting out loads of signals and just everyone knows that they're gonna they're gonna take him because you know when you know we say sometimes that we've heard all this and we've heard it you know last year with Baker but it was a bit different because Baker all was at the end all right at the end it all just made this really quick crescendo and Baker went number one this is Murray's this Murray talk has been going on for months and you know you look at people and who write about the league and things like that who say write mock drafts for NFL.com, you know these people don't write don't write these things off the back of watching tape. 
they just write about what they hear from their connections around the league. So I think that's a big clue as well. There's so many clues that that this is going to happen. This is what this is what convinced me. Like I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's going to be a terrible pick. I think the way that they've done it, drafting consecutively in two years, uh, it doesn't make sense. It's not a good way to build a team. Mm. You know. And then to to top it all off, you've got Cliff Kingsbury, who prior to getting the Arizona job said he wanted Murray. You know, if he had the number one pick, he'd take him. So. There's another clue. I just think there's just too much pointing towards it that just means that it's going to happen and it's on and it's a done deal to me. Which I say, again, I disagree, but yeah, we always have to see how that plays out. And obviously, that's the Josh Rosen impact, so there's, there's impact as well. Sorry, I went off on a huge tangent. No, no, that's, no, that's, that's perfectly, <laughs> perfectly fine. So, you know, the, the other things in play here is Dwayne Haskins, you know, does he get then drafted higher because, oh, you know, I, I, assuming that Kyler Murray goes number one overall to whoever, um, yeah, yeah. Th- those those other teams there are going to be looking at our. You know, they're going to get itchy feet and see. You know, do we do we want to go up for Haskins and you know? Because yeah. there are teams that are going to trade back in. In you know, the Jets wouldn't mind trading back. The Bucks probably mm-hmm. wouldn't mind trading mm-hmm. back at five. So there is opportunity there for someone like the Raiders or the Giants or the Bengals, or the Dolphins or the Redskins to to go for Haskins or even you know Josh Rosen as well. And just on the, another point on the Josh Rosen deal is that you know if they if they are going to trade him, they need to trade him before the draft because mm, you know. I know, I know his, his, his value is plummeted now, but if they select Kyler Murray overall, there there is no way in, in hell they're going to get more than a, a third round pick or something for him because they know he's going to be disposable at that point. And um, yeah, it's just yeah, they've just thrown the ball out of their own court, haven't they? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you know, Dwayne Haskins. Do, do the do teams start getting itchy feet a little bit and get itchy and, and want to move up to get Haskins a bit earlier than perhaps they, you know, letting him fall? Yeah, I would say so. I would say it, you know if if Murray goes from one overall, then Haskins is earning more money because he's going to go higher. Because you know this draft, as we all know, it's not great in the quarterback department. You know, it's not a good class, and it mainly pretty much becomes that Dwayne Haskins is only the only real feasible option. I'm not a massive fan of Drew Lock, who we might come on to in a few weeks' time. Mm. And after that, you know, it's very much projects. After that, for me, it's uh, you know it's not a great class at all. Uh, so yeah, you know you've got teams who need a quarterback, and you know maybe impacts Josh Rosen as well because if you know if he gets traded to one of these guys, then that impacts on Wayne Haskins again, like doubly, yeah. uh, because that'll be another team who don't need a quarterback, and then that means that there's there's a massive rush for this one guy. Yeah, you know, and like you say, you've got Miami who you know they've got all right, yeah, they've got a quarterback for this year, but after that, you know, it's all a mystery. Mm-hmm. Washington pretty desperate as well in terms of you know the same sort of position the Bengals again you know they're not sticking with Dalton long term are they you know and then obviously if, if the Giants aren't one the teams that picked up Rosen then you know they're in for it as well you know and yeah it's he's going to be pretty valuable I would say and that could make a bit of a scramble yeah I mean that leads us quite nicely on actually to the second option of number one Kyler Murray going number one overall to another team so if if you're one of those teams the Raiders the Giants and all the rest of it you know what what will the Cardinals be looking for for that number one pick there's a couple of teams who have a few things to to kind of you know package together if you like you know Raiders can move you know give them four pick four maybe pick 27 as well uh, maybe mm. Colt, Colt Miller or something I, I heard on another, another podcast which actually made a lot of sense oh, wow okay <laughs> um, or something, you know, something like that but um, you know you know it makes sense, the most sense for the Cardinals to to do this option. You know that doesn't always play out that way, but you know if they move down, to, so just say for instance they move down to four and twenty seven, you can do a lot with that, can't you? You still can get your lineman, yeah. and you can even still get a wide receiver. Uh, you know, and you just you obviously still got Josh Rosen, which is which they should keep. They're essentially burning a pick if they uh, they take Kyler Murray. So, 
Uh, I'm not quite sure the value of, you know, of of taking him first overall, but that's um, that's all that's all done and dusted now. So, um, you know, but apart from the Raiders, you know, what what would it take to to get either get up to number one or to to be in a position to to get Kyler Murray if you're say the Raiders or, or the Giants or maybe the the Bengals, Dolphins or Redskins? I mean, obviously, first of all, it depends on how far you you move. Yeah. Obviously, the Raiders have got the least to travel, so. Yeah. The price is lower for them, but I mean, for anyone, even the Giants as well, I guess you'd include this now that they've got the two first rounders as well. You'd want to swap picks, obviously, in the first round. You'd probably want to add another first round and then something next year as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, just, you know, I'm talking the first round of next year, you know, as well. If if you, the who's the furthest there? Washington at 15. It's just too much. You know, they've got, they, they go from the Cardinals, sorry, I'm talking about now, they would go from one to 15. They'd want, they probably want something like, uh, I don't know, a first, a second and something else next year. And then something, you know, second or third dish as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a long way. 15 to one is a long, long way. Yeah. And you, you could probably throw in Miami at 13 and Cincinnati at uh, 11 as well. Yeah. I mean, it's probably worth noting as well. If you think Koshman's back to last year, 2018 draft, the the New York Jets obviously traded up to three, didn't they, with Indianapolis? And they were they mm. were pick six at the time. Indianapolis were third, and the Jets gave up. Um, their, their, obviously, their number six uh, selection, obviously two in two round, uh, two second round uh, selections as well. So in the second round in in this year's draft, so mm. just just I, th- I think that was that was deemed an overpay, wasn't it, at the time? But to, to move up three spaces, but that kind of just shows you at the top of the draft, it's a bit of a premium. So someone like the Raiders and the Giants are probably more well positioned than you know. Philadelphia and I think uh, sorry not Philadelphia um, Miami and, and Washington and, and the other guys and Cincinnati the, probably be fighting out for Haskins won't they yeah sure I mean the only the only way for the Redskins the Dolphins or the, the Bengals to do it this year if they really wanted to move up that high you know if they don't want to gamble for Dwayne Haskins to drop and then trying to move you know a short distance or a shorter distance to try and move up to that pick um, would be to trade away, you know, big asset now for a first round pick, and then, then move up again, you know, yeah. by trading that pick to the Cardinals. Yeah, which obviously is a long shot. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's another way to do it. It's kind of what Buffalo did over the last couple of years to get that seventh pick to draft Allen last year. Yeah, they just did it over a longer period of time. Yeah, obviously the Miami Dolphins as well have a, a big haul of uh, 2020 picks as well, so uh, you can never really rule them out, depending on what they want to. Give up, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, but I think you know the um, they're all, they're all going to be playing for second fiddle for for Dwayne Haskins there. But we we shall see. Uh, that brings us to the final of our, our three options. Then so not Kyler Murray not going number one overall. Yeah, you know, let's say let's say in a hypothetical world, Arizona number one pick take uh, Nick Bosa or whoever they want at number one. Where where can Kyler Murray fall to? Because obviously the more he falls, the Raiders and the Giants ears are going to prick up, aren't they? And then they're going to essentially have to pay less. And I know. Yeah, there are some teams like we said that are going to move back. The Jets are going to be one at three, so you know three is then potentially the the, the pod you want to jump to, isn't it? So, um, you know, who who takes the call for you know is, does San Francisco take the call? Do the Jets take a call? Um, you know, how how far can Kyler Murray fall? See, you know, it, it's the Jets are the big winner because they want to trade back. They've been trying to shop that pick for a long time, and that becomes prime spot then to pick up. Because you know the, the the Niners probably want to just take an edge rusher, probably take Josh Allen, and I'd be happy. You know they want Bosa. They Bosa fits there. What they want to do down to a T really. Um, I can't remember if I was might have been saying it in the five yard mock uh, group chat the other day that Bosa fits the Niners scheme like 
Bosa fits the Chargers scheme mm. in Joey Bosa, I mean. Yeah. In the sense that he can sort of set the edge and then Melvin Ingram can be the Leo, you know, the, the designated pass rusher. And that can be default. So they'll probably take Josh Allen and just figure out a way to, to sort of use the default and Josh Allen. Mm. Then it becomes the Jets. The Jets are then on the clock and probably taking calls from, yeah, the the Giants are probably trying to move up there and then you're probably trying to maybe even get the Bengals to move up because obviously from 11 to 3 then isn't as much no. to try and move up it's still probably out of range from Miami even though it's only a couple more picks and obviously the Redskins as well um, you know and you, you've, you've seen what they can get really because obviously they're, they're going to be really in the driving seat there you know if they don't if they don't do that if they want to take their, their own player then I think the Raiders will take him to be honest with you I don't think yeah. he drops past 4 yeah I know that we've we've heard Buden come out and kind of support Carr. I think Mike Mayock's done the same, but I do think Gruden likes him. Yeah, um, no, I, do. I mean, yeah. um, and I don't think he'd let him get away. Um, obviously, Carr hasn't got too long left in his deal. I don't think, and even yeah. if he does, it's it's only going to be, you know, a case of for, of cutting him with a year left or something like that, <clears throat> and which is very doable, you know. And uh, I think he'd he'd be playing in black, silver and black. Hmm. Yeah, car, car costs nothing against the cap in, in 2020. Uh, and like I say, yeah, I think uh, he had an extended uh, visit, didn't he, with the Raiders. I think Gruden had him in front of the whiteboard for an hour and a half and they had to delay mm. the, uh, the field mm. stuff. So, yeah, there might be a bit of stuff there. But, yeah, I'd be surprised if he uh, goes after goes further than four. So I think four is the is the basement there for, for Kyle. Which Murray. is crazy, you know, <laughs> because, you know, just as, just as I said when we are talking about all the three scenarios, I think it's an awful, awful pick in the top five yeah. because he's undersized. He's he's needs a lot of work. He's you know if we take it back to last year and we've obviously had quite a good quarterback class last year, he'd probably been about fourth or fifth in that class. You know, so it just shows how the differential can can differ between class to class. This guy he's been talked up as the number one and the best quarterback in the class by a lot of people, but he you know taking back last year and next year. And he he wouldn't be taking number one overall. He'd probably be in the back end of the first round. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, then's that's the that's the way the world goes. I'm afraid. But uh, yeah. So mm. just to reiterate, obviously, you think he'll go number one overall uh, to the Cardinals. I don't think he will. We'll uh, we'll drop that one down in the, in the new brand spanking new notepad uh, of a match bet, and <laughs> we uh, we'll we'll put that one in the books. But that was... what we should do is we should we should top up over the season and see sort of who wins. Yeah, yeah, no, I will. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep. Uh, yeah, we'll, the running total, the match yeah. bet running total. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's second down in the books. Another good yardage there. But now it's time for the third down. And uh, so talking about books, a lot of new rule changes are coming in for next season. But it's time to learn about the whole process and how rules get may you know implemented into the NFL. So it's time to talk with our official aficionado. Time to welcome back Roger Goodgrave for our third down. Third down. Okay, as everyone is aware that the uh, the NFL have implemented new rule changes for the 2019 season, so I thought to, uh, we'd, we'd get Roger Goodgrose back onto the podcast to, to talk about the process of rule changes because it's not... Uh it's not just a, a kind of a one meeting and then they, they kind of thrash it all out. It's a, it's a process that, that happens all, all year round. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, the process of that uh, alongside some of the rule changes that will be in uh, 2019 and to talk about whether or not they should be or not. Uh, but Roger, I welcome you back in to the 14 Yards podcast. How have you been? Thanks, Tim. Yeah, very good indeed. Enjoying the fact that there's not a break in football. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, have you, what's your, your thoughts been of the AAF? 
I think, actually, I've enjoyed watching it. Two aspects, which is the quality has been pretty good, considering that you know, it's obviously not expected to be up at NFL standards. And the second is the speed of the game. Um, watching live isn't hard work like watching an NFL game live, um, predominantly because they don't have kickoffs, which seem to take a disproportionate amount of time at the NFL because they seem to take a break before the kickoff, have the kickoff, take after the kickoff get everything ready for the next play and it seems like it's forever between um a score and uh, the next really meaningful yeah. um, piece of action yeah no absolutely and um yeah and say so, like say rule, rule changes um no, no doubt the nfl have their eye on, on what goes on and all the different nuances you know which is the same for the cfl and and other, and other leagues as well but uh Let's focus on the NFL for for a short second. So let's go through obviously the rule changes, um, the process. So it's not just a case of you know, the owners get together and just kind of vote on this thing. It, you know, it goes way back before then. Yeah, it, it is indeed. In fact, it's an all round process for the whole year. Yeah. But let's start with with dispelling some of the myths. The first one is that the referees don't make the rules. Um, many people say, "Oh, these refs, they're always changing things." Well, no, they're not. They're only implementing the changes made. And those changes, in terms of the process, let's just ex examine that for a second. Rule changes come from the owners. Um, the owners need to vote, 75% of them, in favour of a change, for a change to happen. So there's no 52-48 Brexit-type situations. <laughs> this is a very clear direction that needs to actually happen. And only when those owners vote in those proportions will the change take place. So then backtrack from there, that when they take place, we've just had the, the annual meeting where the owners get together and they vote on the proposals. But there's lots that goes into the process before they ever get in front of the owners. The key people involved are what's called the competition committee. Now, they're made up of the, the key players within the NFL, predominantly owners and general managers and presidents. So you've got um, chairman of the committee is Rich McKay, who's president of Atlanta Falcons. You've got owner of New York, uh, owner of Dallas, president of Green Bay. And then you've got a couple of coaches in there. So you've got and Sean Payton, very interestedly, from the New Orleans Saints. Mm, yeah. And this will come back into play in terms of this year's rule changes, as he's been a very big driver to what's actually happened this year. Yeah. Um, so looking at the history of uh, him specifically, we had the NFC Championship game last year, and we had a big F up in the <laughs> championship game where a pass interference wasn't called, it was clear. And that's one of the drivers towards the rule that is actually coming in. And we can talk about that in a minute, but let's just go back to the competition committee. The competition committee polled the teams at the end of the year. They then discuss what's gone on through the year and they analyze what's happened throughout the year. So they will do things like break down the number of concussions on types of plays to identify where specific injuries are coming from and then discuss how the league should address making the game safer. Mm -hmm. So last year they put in place a rule for a one-year period only to change the kickoff rules. And so we had various kickoff um, changes where you couldn't have run-ups, you had to have the defending team in a particular formation, uh, you couldn't have wedge blocks, etc. Those are all designed to avoid certain collisions that were causing the biggest issues of concussion. The other big part of that is that the clubs themselves put forward proposals. Now, you'd think that would have a lot of weight, but actually the clubs are very unsuccessful about getting their changes put forward. Mm, yep. 
to put it into a little bit of perspective, um, since I think it's 2015, club proposals have been successful about 11% of the time, whereas 97% of proposals made by the competition committee have been passed by owners. Mm. So a big disparity between the two. Washington, uh, uh, one team who are particularly bad at this, so uh, uh, they obviously don't uh, think Washington are the team to be suggesting the right changes. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, and also yeah, I do look at some uh, some team proposals, and some of them are, are pretty wacky, and you do wonder why they're. Uh... Uh, usually they, 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 they tend to submit their proposals on the back of uh, grievances they've had throughout the year as well. And, you know, there's, there's also... <laughs> and that is the trouble. And, and, and the league doesn't like to change on a knee-jerk, except it does. A um, couple of knee-jerk reactions. Last year we had the change to the catch rule. That was, to some degree, a knee-jerk reaction to how people were complaining about um, the way catches were being interpreted. Yeah. But it wasn't just a one catch in one game that made the difference. It was a variety of situations where the catch rule interpretation was actually coming under scrutiny throughout the season. Mm. Whereas this year just gone, we had a very big play in the NFC Championship game that has resulted in a knee-jerk reaction. And the league have implemented a proposal to include pass interference in the 2019 rule a challengeable play mm. so a couple of couple of things involved there so isn't that going to um, slow the game down well firstly coaches are getting no extra challenges so they will still have their two challenges a half the um, that they can actually uh, throw in there um, sorry to challenge the game and that they can throw in their third if they actually get the two right um, so are going to enhance the actual number of delays up to the last two minutes of the game now, the other thing is, coaches are notoriously bad at challenging plays. They win, on average, less than 40% of the challenges they actually make. Um, so, if you now include pass interference, which by definition is a judgment call, and if you maintain the same standard of officiating overturns, which is it needs to be clear and obvious, mm. the NFC Championship game, that would be one that would be overturned. Mm. Um, but generally, most pass interference, they're minor judgment issues and they aren't going to be turned over. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. No, absolutely not. And I, I say we spoke to some so some of the guys on the podcast last week and saying about, you know, are we going to get into an instance where inside of two minutes, you know, there's just going to be a lot of Hail Marys and... Uh, People looking not look yeah you know, not really like the uh, the equivalent of uh, a player diving in, in a box to to try and win a <laughs> win a penalty if you, if you like but I, I did at least you will have that. <laughs> well yeah well this is it yeah if if you inside the two minutes if every play can be uh, can can be uh, reviewed I, I don't see why there might not be an uptick or you know because everyone's trying to find an edge and if you if you run yes. more you know especially when a, a team is you know one score down two minutes left to go in, you know maybe in a playoff game or something. Similar to like what is in the NFC Championship game, where that was a bit more uh, that was a bit more easier to spot, shall we say? But you might you yeah. might have you know yeah. wide receivers that get clever at drawing the flag and um, you know essentially yeah. not not cheating playing too, for yeah. yeah yeah cheating's probably too strong strong a word, but it'd just be interesting yeah. to see yeah. that the the gamesmanship, if you like, is probably the right word, isn't it? Yes. Yes, that's the, that's the politically correct one, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, the one thing I think to bear in mind in all of this, which is, yes, you're right, there will be players on the offence who will play to the rules. However, this rule works in both directions. 
It is also the ability for defensive and offensive pass interference to yeah. be called. Now, quite often you'll see pick plays or rub plays, if you're being generous to them, yeah. run, particularly near the goal line. And they are very, very difficult to officiate mm. live because there's, everything's going on all at once um, and it's happening very quickly at the snap. Whereas if you look at it again on a video replay, it's much easier to watch those things. So it isn't just an offensive tool here. This can also be a scoring play being reviewed and say, well, actually, oh, there was a pick there. That's coming back. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's good, obviously. That they've done, they've done, obviously done both sides uh, of the ball. But thinking, thinking about it in, in general, obviously, Roger, we've we've had you on throughout the whole of last season talking about uh, you know the level of, of, of officiating with with this this uh, you know challengeable pass interference stuff being implemented. It doesn't really cut the the cut the errors off at, at the source, does it? And I, you know, I mentioned on on the podcast last week that you know if you have if you bring the level of officiating up or you know help the officials out a bit more, maybe have extra refs or or, or whatever, you, whatever you think the the solution might be, but if you if you fix the, the source, you know you might not need to bring in uh, this this kind of you know subjective, challengeable uh, area. It's true, but I think you, in looking at that, what you've got to say is how good are the refs at the moment? Mm. Well, every ref on every play of every game is assessed by the NFL officiating department back in New York, yeah. so. Every call they make is assessed to see whether it was correctly flagged or any no call they make is correctly uh, officiated and in terms of should there have been a flag on it. Now, the statistics coming out of New York are that around 96% of all calls made by the officials are actually correct. Mm. Now, that is just not the fan in the, the pub, but by rule... By guidance they've been given, this is the way they should have officiated it, yeah. and did they? Mm. Um, so firstly, you've got to say that's a very high standard. Yeah. However, they're humans. They will make mistakes. They don't get a second look at it. They're looking at it at a very fast speed. Therefore, there will be times where they get it wrong. And replay should be brought in for those times, for those big changes where it might be missed. To say... You know, should we change the officiating? Should we throw out all the refs and get new, younger refs in? It's not really the issue. No. There are mistakes made, but there are mistakes made by players. Players drop passes. Coaches call the wrong coverage. You know, mistakes are inherent in the game. Mm. The referees probably have a higher percentage um, correct rate than any of the players or the coaches do. Yeah. So, you know, to say that the, the refs are the problem is actually probably missing the point. That's not to say things can't be improved. And that's the goal of the competition committee is each year to analyze all the changes and say, what can we do better? Mm. Now, one of the big changes, here we go to Sean Payton's role. One of the big things that happened this year, which I think is unprecedented, which is what normally happens is the competition committee put forward their rule proposals. And as I said, the owners put forward theirs. Those go before the owners and they're voted on, passed or not. Now, this year, the competition committee put forward a proposal to include pass interference. However, they, uh, their rule wording was only where her flag had already been uh, thrown, in which case you could challenge it. And if it wasn't pass interference, take it away, mm. which obviously missed the big NFC debacle yeah. where that flag was never thrown. So you would not have a challenge on that play because there was never a flag on it. Mm. 
Now, what happened was that the, the coaches who were at the uh, league meeting, all of them voted 32 to 0 to put forward a proposal to the competition committee to have a sky judge, mm. um, which is what the AAF have had, uh, instigated by their consultants, which are ex-NFL senior VPs of officiating Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino. Mm. And so the coaches want to see a sky judge. I've mentioned to you on a previous um, program that I think Sky Judge would be required. And to, to people at the home, what is a Sky Judge? Well, basically, it's somebody watching the video feed for egregious errors mm. and making sure that if there's anything on the field, uh, regardless of whether it was flagged on the play or not, if it's major, it's pulled back. Mm. Um, so this proposal by the, the coaches, 32 to nothing in terms of in favour of, um, not even voted on by the owners. However, what did happen as a result of this weight of um, uh, coach dissent, for want of a better term, is that during the owners' meeting, the proposal put forward by the competition committee to review pass interference was expanded to include passes or flags that weren't thrown. Yeah, the um, so that was the big change that actually happened. So that's very much against the way that the norm would be mm. uh, for the owners' meetings. Same thing happened last year. I don't know if you remember that the going into the owners' meeting, there wasn't a proposal um, on the, the on the table for certain of the other rules that went forward. And there's some dramatic changes came out. Helmet to helmet contact yeah, wasn't yeah. put forward by the owners, uh, sorry, by the, by the competition committee or the teams. Um, but that one came out of the meeting. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so just before we move on to some of the to some of the other rules about you know, player safety and maybe some of the ones that were rejected, well, did, do you actually like the, the the rule that's been implemented there about the the non the non calls and the pass interference tool? Because obviously, yeah, it's a polarizing subject just because it's purely a subjective decision, and you know the referees are going to going to allow maybe what maybe another another referee isn't going to do. Do, do you like it as a whole being brought in, or do you just think it's a, it's a dangerous territory? I like it. But I also understand the dangerous territory and the potential unintended consequences of this. Mm. Just to break that down for just one second, give you an example. So in order to have pass interference, a number of things have to be in play. A pass has to be being thrown. Seems obvious, but it's not because contact that happens before the pass is in the air isn't pass interference. Mm. It might be holding, but it's defensive holding, but it's not pass interference. Um, A pass needs to be catchable. And here's the rub which is sometimes you'll see a referee will wave over the top of their head. What they're indicating there is potentially there was um, something that they would normally flag, but because the pass was uncatchable, it's not a penalty. So how do you judge that when you're not on the field? Mm. It's very difficult to assess from a video um, review whether that pass was catchable or not. So if you get an on-the-field ruling where the official has ruled that it was uncatchable, the clear and obvious evidence that the replay official is going to need to overturn this is going to have to be huge. It's almost going to have to be, well, it hit the receiver's hands, therefore <laughs> it, you know, it must have been near enough to be catchable. Yeah. If it's beyond their fingers, more than a couple of inches, then you've really got to say the judgment on the field is probably still going to be mm-hmm. upheld. Yeah. Um, so there's just an example of the way that, you know, it's it's not so easy to view it from above. Mm-hmm. And the second part of that is you're now opening up a new territory for replay, which mm-hmm. is replay previously had been brought in to overturn something that was 
demonstrably correct somebody step out of bounds was the ball loose before the guy went to the floor did it cross the line they're all very um specific visible differentiators it's not a judgment yeah and in past interference the judgment is not that there wasn't contact but was that contact um sufficient to impede the receiver or the defender's chance to get the ball. Mm. And that's a judgment call. And now you're opening up judgment calls into replay, and that's a whole new can of worms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll probably come round to the idea of the, of the what, what's being brought in here. But yeah, I do, I do fear that maybe what right, what path we we are leading down. Uh, but one path, Roger, that we're not leading down is the onside kick uh, being changed to give the teams a choice of uh, playing a fourth and fifteen down uh, instead of the onside kicks. Obviously, the the success of onside kicks has, has plummeted, hasn't it, over the last couple of years because of player safety. Um, so should we just talk about obviously, yeah, some of the some of the the player safety rules this year. One is the the removal of blindside blocking anywhere on the field as well. But predominantly, the, you know, the rule changes are brought in for uh, for player safety, aren't they? Yeah, predominantly rule change. Oh no, I'll rephrase that. Not predominantly. Many changes are brought in because of player safety issues, and that's becoming more and more applicable as years go forward. And the results of concussion uh, on plays are actually felt in the long term. Um, and as a result of that, changes are made to protect people from those consequences as much as possible. Football's a contact sport. You'll never get out of the fact that there are collisions, but you avoid the worst collisions, the type that are known to cause uh, concussion type injuries. Mm. Um, so, yes, they've made changes on the kickoffs. They've made it harder for teams to um, kick on side and recover the ball. I mean, Probably uh, the stats that I saw that were about a 75% reduction in the successful completion of an onside kick under the new rules compared to the previous year. Yeah. So dramatically harder to get the ball back if you've just scored and you still need to score again. So there was a proposal put forward this year to actually um, have a fourth and 15 type play similar to the, the AAF's um, onside kick uh, uh, replacement. Um, and it wasn't defeated. Um, it was tabled. Now, what that means in competition committee speak is they didn't say we're not going to actually have this. We're still considering it. Probably means they want them to discuss it. And it probably means they'll refine the language of it. So the the, the specific um, example might be that, you know, they'll change one aspect of it, but they also included a second aspect at the same time. And if they remove the second aspect of it, then they might pass the first one as an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. So I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Obviously, the AF um, has slightly different rules to to the NFL and say obviously college as well. Do you think it's quite interesting the fact that NFL is always peering over to to other leagues and you know, to see what works and what doesn't? And I know that the NFL don't like to to make too many too many rash uh, knee jerk reactions. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's interesting to see you know people obviously liking the ch the changing rules with the AF. I, I suppose it might be just because it's new and it's it's kind of novelty uh, at the moment because it's a new league. What, what what do you make of the other leagues and how they can not contaminate but um, may, may affect yeah. the NFL the NFL going? <laughs> well, forward? I think it's it's to some degree the other way around, which is what the AAF did was say the NFL works. People like it as a product. They watch it, but how could it be improved? Um, especially from the officiating point of view, they brought in experts in the field, in Dean Blendino and Mike Pereira, and said, how would you, given a, a clean sheet, how would you change things to try and improve the level of officiating? 
So two things. Uh, one, they have eight officials on the field. They actually run mechanics uh, similar to the NCAA run the mechanics. They have um, uh, an umpire who's positioned in the defensive backfield. Now, the NFL used to have that position. They moved them to be next to the referee. Um, now, it would be difficult for the NFL to bring that person back because the reason they moved them out of that position was a safety issue. They were getting run over by players. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's one. So they run the eighth official on the field um, and they also have the sky judge. So the two changes that they made to enhance what the NFL were already doing. So now it's up to the NFL to look at those changes and say, do we agree? Are they an enhancement to the game? I think a sky judge is an enhancement to the game. Eighth official, it's a difficult one because of the safety issue. Moving on to uh, things that maybe weren't tabled or weren't passed, are there any, any rules or anything that you'd like to see implemented in, in the NFL? Uh, sky judge, as I've mentioned just, to you just, on those podcasts before, um, I believe that the eighth official in the booth uh, is the one that would make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. What you're looking for is you're not expecting perfection. You're never going to get perfection no. from officiating. You are going to get a high level of standard. However, it's important to realise that, that they're never going to be completely accurate. Mm-hmm. But what we want is the game not to change as a result of those plays. Yeah. Uh, so. The reason why they opened up the, the can of worms in bringing instant ray play to cover pass interference was that pass interference made the biggest difference to the likelihood of a team winning or losing as a result of the penalty. Mm. So, um, you know, a play might give the team five yards or 10 yards, but a pass interference call could be anything up to 60 yards mm. penalty. Yeah. It makes a big swing to your field position. And as a result, field position, it makes a big swing to your ability to convert that and therefore win the game. And that's why opening up. Yeah, absolutely. Just ask, just ask Saints fans. Um, yeah. <laughs> so before we round up, Roger, I thought, obviously you told me off, off air that you, you have a nice little trip, trip plan to the US shortly. Yeah, I've been invited by Dean Blandino to a replay training event uh, for the NCAA in Chicago at the beginning of April. So I'm going over there shortly after the um, British American Football Referees Conference. So I've got the conference on one weekend and then the Chicago trip the other one. And then um, I thought I might as well take the opportunity while I'm over there to take in an AAF game. So I'm going to uh, go to the Memphis game and see uh, Johnny Mansell and see how he's uh, performing over there. Johnny Football indeed. Yeah, must be must be looking forward to it. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Do you, do you go do you go often over to the states? Um, often probably is an overstatement. <laughs> I had to get out to games quite regularly. I've been very fortunate over the years. I've been to four Super Bowls, um, so I am very very fortunate to get over there and get to see some of the best games. So uh, I consider myself very lucky. Absolutely, very, very jealous person sitting here in my seat. But um, yeah, maybe one, maybe one day I'll hope to get to a Super Bowl as well. But Roger, I really appreciate you coming on to, to talk about obviously the process of the rule changes because as I say, not a lot of people just take for granted, you know, what they'll see on, on social media is just kind of the end product, isn't it? But it's obviously a, 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 yes, a far a more big long process to get yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I say, any any other refereeing or official news? Uh, and also, we'll get you on to, to talk about your little trip over to the States as well at some point in the summer. And uh, I, can, I can tell you that your, your podcast t shirt is also in the post <laughs> thanks Tim Roger Goodgroves there getting a good good yardage per carry there on third down so that leaves us with fourth down to get to the full 10 yards fourth down 
we're going to finish it off with the quiz. And Lee, since we've wiped the leaderboard clean, it's time to to put to start a new and to, for me to put another blemish on another leaderboard. <laughs> no, I don't think. I, I think you're downplaying it. I think you're going to do it right. You know. Yeah. All right. So the only question that's that's left to ask is: Do you want to go first, or do you want to go second? Was in answering. Yeah. I'll go first. Yeah. yeah. You'll go first. Okay. Mind games. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, play along at home. I know you all do as well. Enjoyable <coughs> segment of the podcast, this one. Question one, where did Minnesota Vikings play their NFL home games? Oh, the... Oh, not a great start, is it? <laughs> um, God, it's some sort of bank. Oh, bank of America Stadium? Okay. No, that's not right. That's Carolina, I think. Question two, uh, Sean McDermott is the coach of which team? The Carolina... Oh, no! Yeah, no, no, no. The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Controversy. Question two. Yeah, sorry. That's right. Uh, <laughs> question three. Mitch Trubisky wears what number? Number 10. Uh, who did the Miami Dolphins take with pick 11 in the first round of the 2018 draft? Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, how many yards does an illegal shift penalty on the offence incur? Five. Which team in the AFC North has a bird in its logo? Uh, the Ravens. Uh, which team in the AFC West last contested the Super Bowl? Uh, the Broncos. Uh, question eight. Name any team that Terrell Owens has ever played for in the NFL. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Question nine. Which player scored the most combined receiving and rushing touchdowns for the New England Patriots in 2018? Uh, Sony Michelle. And finally, how many career rushing yards does Marshall Lynch have within 400? Oh, um. Okay. How do you think you did? Six. Six. All right, let's go through. Uh, question one Minnesota is uh, was a bank, but it was the US Bank Stadium. What did I say? Bank of America? Bank of America is Carolina, I think. Yeah, oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Sean McDermott, I'll give you Buffalo Bills. I'm a nice person. Yeah, thank you. You are nice. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell Drabisky, number 10, he mm-hmm. is correct. I Mink mean, Fitzpatrick, obviously, I think you quite liked him last year, didn't you? Uh, was pick 11. I did, yeah, I did. Uh, I still do, yeah. yeah. Uh, for Miami Dolphins, uh, five yards for an illegal shift penalty is correct. Uh, Baltimore Ravens are, of course, a bird in the AFC North. Uh, Denver Broncos, AFC West, were last in the Super Bowl, of course. Uh, Terra Orange, you could have had the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers, Buffalo Bills, or Cincinnati Bengals. Um, okay. I was going to go Bills at first, but then I wasn't sure, and I knew he played for the Cowboys, so I went for the obvious one. Yeah. So I'm uh, glad the Bills were there, so it would have been right. <laughs> yeah, um, it was uh, James White was the most touchdowns for New England. Uh, it was a toss-up between the two. And uh, Marshawn Lynch, I've got down as 10,379. Okay. Yeah, after saying that, I thought it was way too much, actually. So what's that? Is that six? That is seven. Seven, okay. Seven. Well, I think I've got that last time, so, yeah, you know, not go. bad. Yeah, no. Nice average. After after the wobble early on, you you recovered. You recovered. Yeah, 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 definitely. Right. Okay, let's have it. Okay. So, question one. Who plays at Paul Brown Stadium? Uh, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> what were we saying about the other one, Paul? Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, uh, what number does LaShawn McCoy wear? Oh, LaShawn McCoy. He is 20... 20... Is it 22 or 23? I'm going to go with... 
I'm going to get it wrong. 22. Okay. Uh, who was the head coach of the Ravens before John Harbaugh? Ah, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, like these, these uh, old coach questions. No. Um, before John Harbour. Oof. I'd, no, I'd be a guess. Lavi Smith. Okay. Um, which college did Odell Beckham play for? Uh, LSU. Okay. How many children do Philip and Tiffany Rivers have? <laughs> uh, nine. <laughs> Sorry? Nine. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, do they have or uh, do they have currently... Yeah, currently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's eight, but they're expecting a ninth, so I'm going to, well, eight. I'll, I'll have to go to eight then. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know which trimester she's in? <laughs> okay, uh, question six. Uh, which pick of the first round was Byron Jones of your Dallas Cowboys drafted in 2015? Sorry, repeat the question? Which Which pick of the first round... Was Byron Jones drafted in in the 2015 draft Ooh. by your Dallas Cowboys? By my Dallas Cowboys, uh, 2015. Where are we picking 2017? He's in the late that first round, wasn't it? I'm gonna go with he's number 31. I wonder if we go 31, but then we wouldn't have picked that high. So when that was when we got to the playoffs and we lost to the Packers. So that gives us 27 or 28. Let's go 27. Okay. Nice, nicely worked out. I like the way you did that. Um, whose career path is this? So drafted by Detroit, went to Miami, went to LA Rams, and is currently a free agent. Oh, Miami. Sorry, did you say the three teams again? Detroit. That's yeah. where he started off and was drafted. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I can see. Okay. Um, who has thrown for more yards in their career? Thus far, Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota? He's thrown for more yards. Uh, Jameis Winston. Okay. Um, Melvin Gordon, career touchdowns 30, under or over? Career touchdowns 30, over or under? Uh, it's a Chargers question, so I'm going to go over. Okay. Uh, and question 10 How many yards did Baker Mayfield throw for last year uh, within 50 each way? Within 50? Blimey. Um, right, okay, so... It's only one season, you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it wasn't quite... Oh, it was around 5,000, was it? Uh, was it? No, it wasn't, because he come in... He come in week three... Uh, within 50, Jesus. So Patrick Mahomes... <laughs> 100 was too much. <laughs> so Big Ben, Brock Roethlisberger were 5,000. So I'm going to say... Oi, 2,920. Okay. Right, okay, let's go. So oh, I hate I hate your questions. <laughs> that was better than last time I would have said. Yeah, to be fair, if I if I've got three if I've got three again I'm gonna cry, but I don't I think I think I'll do better than that. Three. Yeah. You've got one three. Uh okay, right. so, so who I've got plays... four then. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so who plays at Paul Brown Stadium? It, it, you well, it almost said the Browns, that's why I chucked it in there, but <laughs> you got it right with the Bengals. Yeah. Uh LeSean McCoy wears number twenty five, so you got that wrong. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Head coach of the Ravens for John Harbour was Brian Billick. I'm going to go that. Uh, LSU was correct for Odell Beckham. So this one's a bit contentious. So you obviously knew. Yeah. So then I'm... you kind of talk, you kind of talk yourself out of it because <laughs> it's nine. Is it... yeah, they're, Anna expect... they're expecting a ninth, though, aren't they? No, no, no. Anna Rivers was one last weekend. So 
he welcomed or they welcomed the ninth. Oh, okay. Well, last weekend. All right. So yeah, unfortunately, he's taught yourself out of that one. Uh, Byron Jones was drafted with the twenty seventh pick. Well, that's good. So yeah, I get, I get, I get the hardest. Well. I get the hardest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You worked that really well, though. Uh, Sue, you got um, uh, you know the career path one. Jameis has obviously thrown more than Mr. Wet, Wet, Wet. Yeah. Uh, Melvin Gordon has got 28 career touchdowns, uh, so under. Boo. And what did you say for Baker? Like 2,700 something? 2,920. Okay, it's actually 3,725. Uh, right. So you're actually quite a way off. So even if I gave you 100, you would have been miles away. Yeah. So what does that make? One, two, three, four, five, five for you. Five. Even though. Shocking. Yeah, you could you could you could say six if you if you didn't talk yourself out of the rivers question. Yeah, we, we call it five and a half. Actually. <laughs> yeah, it's got it. <laughs> yeah, but there we go. So at least, well, I say if I'd have got three, I think we would have we'd have shut the podcast down just the, the, on, on, after <laughs> immediately after the revamp. So that's there, there is that saving grace. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get all the guys uh, from from last season who got eight back on the show to to have a, a not a champion of champions, but uh, to, to to determine a winner, so we can give a give a t shirt out as well. Um, but if anyone out there wants to come on and do the quiz as well, ch- uh, come give us a DM. DMs are always open, or you can email us at full ten yards at gmail We will always love to have you on. But uh, Lee, that's uh, f- first podcast of the new season done, dusted. Yes, it is. Yeah, and it was a good one as well. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking about our pal Kyler. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to the next one. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And say so that will be uh, next week. And all the all the podcasts this month will be. Uh, we'll be looking at the the draft as well. So, uh, in the meantime, hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the new drops as well. Give us any, any feedback you you like. Um, shortened intro, new drops. Um, I think the the outro is still going to be the same as well. But uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll have a, a new a new guest introducing the show sh- uh, sh- very soon indeed as well, and a couple of good guests hopefully in the pipeline. Uh, but in the meantime, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed that myself. And um, we'll be back next week for more draft talk. So in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lee. Yeah, goodbye everyone. See you on the other side. And it's goodbye from me too. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.